broadcasting from the Unshackled Studios in Melbourne. This is Will's Front, brought to you by the Unshackled.net. Now here's Tim Wills. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wilmsfront, second Wilmsfront show week in a row. Uh, so I've got another one in store for you uh, tonight on this Thursday, uh, the 13th of October, 2022. We are live on the Wilmsfront YouTube, DLive and Odyssey channels, as well as on the interactive Entropy software. Hello to everyone in the live chats. It is 8.30 p.m. here in Melbourne, Victoria, where the COVID pandemic is officially over with Dan Andrews deciding not to renew the pandemic declaration for another three months. This means that those who test positive uh, for COVID are no longer mandated to isolate, nor do they have to uh, report a positive rat uh, result through the government. This uh, removal of one of the last remaining COVID uh, restrictions when it comes to not having to have mandatory isolation will come into effect throughout the rest of Australia tomorrow. The official end to the pandemic in Victoria is good timing for Dan Andrews, who is facing an election in less than two months on November 26 and wants Victorians to forget about what he did to them these past two and a half years, including 262 days of police state lockdown. Despite Dan's tyrannical and corrupt government, the Victorian Liberal opposition led by Matthew Guy is far behind in the current polls. Uh, the Liberals lost government in South Australia back in March and the coalition government lost federally in May. So this means that the Liberals are now only in power in two states, New South Wales and Tasmania. The New South Wales state election is due in March 2023 and the Perite government is behind in the polls. Uh, Tasmania's next state election isn't due until May 2025. So how should the Liberal and National Parties, the coalition, rebuild to both win back their base of uh, Conservative and Libertarian voters, but also to win back governments with, with the broader electorate? Or are they beyond redemption and should conservatives and libertarians support pro-freedom minor parties like One Nation, the United Australia Party and the Liberal Democrats? That's what we are going to explore tonight uh, with my guest who I spoke to earlier uh, this evening. Uh, our interview goes for an hour and 10 minutes and then I'll be back with you live to wrap up the show. In the meantime, uh, enjoy the discussion and I'll be with you in the live chat. This is Will's Front, brought to you by the Unshackled.net. Rocco Liacono is a senior lecturer at Curtin University Law School. He practiced as a lawyer for 10 years, most of that time with uh, Clayton Yutz, one of Australia's largest law firms. Uh, he also has a PhD from the University of Western Australia, uh, which he earned in 2014. His research areas are translation difficulties arising from the differences that exist between continental legal systems and English common law. He is a 
N-A-A-T-I certified translator, so uh, Italian to English, and uh, served as national president of the Australia Institute of Interpreters and Translators from 2017 to 2019. He has also written about the role the law should play in defending fundamental rights and freedoms with many important contributions during the coronavirus tyranny, which have been featured in the Spectator Australia, Quadrant Online, the Epoch Times, the Australian, as well as in the Western Australian Jurist. He is also a member of the Western Australian Legal Theory Association and member of the Institute of Public Affairs. He is also the co-author with Professor Augusto Zimmerman of the book Deconstructing SCOMO, Critical Reflections on Australia's 30th Prime Minister. Uh, Augusto was a guest on Wilmsfront pre the federal election. So we have Rocco with us tonight for the sequel. As post-election, he's been writing about how the uh, Liberal Party needs to rebuild both federally and in the state divisions. Rocco, welcome to Wilmsfront. Thanks for having me, Tim. It's a pleasure. So let's start with, uh, it's been, was it uh, four months now since uh, the, uh, the Morrison government, which was, uh, for eight and three quarter years, the Abbott Turnbull Morrison uh, government. Yes. So they, it from the election result, it was the coalition that lost badly. Uh, Labor, uh, Labor, the new Albanese government just fell over the line. But uh, in your opinion and analysis, why did they lose and what were the failures of its uh, period in government? Uh, well, how long have we got? Uh, um, <laughs> look, uh, succinctly, uh, the coalition lost because it didn't govern like a coalition government should. Um, they were in government for eight and three quarter years. And other than AUKUS, uh, I really can't see uh, for much of that time that the uh, that the government that the coalition government uh, actually did anything that's worthy of a centre-right government i mean look what's happened since what the four months since the election right the albanese government has moved at light speed to implement its agenda it has not wasted a single minute this is where centre-right parties suffer from what nigel farage farage called conservative cowardice and that's why the coalition lost because it did not argue for and try and implement the things it says it stands for. It didn't lean into the culture wars. It didn't reform Section 18C. It didn't make any uh, worthwhile economic reform contributions at all. And particularly during the last two and a half years, abandoned um, the things that it actually says it stand for, like stands for, like freedom of association freedom of speech uh, and all those things. I mean, you had Scott Morrison uh, in 2017 when they tried to get a, an 18C reform through, he said free speech doesn't create a single job. And therein lies the problem because you've got people in there that aren't willing to actually prosecute the case for conservative values. Whereas you look at the left, they do not waste a single minute 
implementing their agenda. We know what they stand for and they carry it out. Whereas with the coalition parties, you could argue, well, one, we didn't know what they stood for because they spent a lot of time trying to uh, become labour light, uh, particularly when we saw on economic issues and on uh, and on freedom of freedom of religion, freedom of association concerns, and also um, when it actually came, when push came to shove to actually fight for things, they they squibbed it. I mean, the the religious freedom bill was left to the very last minute um, before the election. And even then it was an absolute, they made an absolute hash of it. So this is what happens when you stand for nothing. If you abandon your, your base, you lose. If you go and adopt in, in policies that are completely contrary to uh, what would uh, be the base, you lose. And many uh, have said, including uh, the Spectator Australia editor, Rowan Dean, the day Scott Morrison lost the election, was in November last year when he went off to COP26 and committed Australia to that net zero insanity, um, which is which is perversely the issue on which he actually won the 2019 election um, when uh, Australians didn't want uh, that kind of policy and they made it quite clear in 2019 that they didn't want that kind of policy. Yet people said, well, look, there's no difference between the Coalition and the Labor Party. And when, when it comes to the voters, like a lot of things, instead of choosing a photocopy, a poor photocopy at that, they'll choose uh, the real thing. So the key thing is uh, to sum all that up, uh, when you abandon your principles, you abandon your base, you lose. And that is why they lost. Uh, Malcolm Turnbull as Prime Minister, he he, he made the only attempt uh, to uh, reform, repeal 18C. and. I'm from uh, Victoria, so I know that uh, uh, left-wing Labor governments uh, waste uh, no time uh, pushing through their uh, ideological uh, agendas, even in between our, our lockdowns. They were, they were still push pushing through the parliament uh, various uh, laws that they wanted, such as the conversion therapy ban and you just talked about it at the, the, the the federal level that uh leaving it to the last minute and making a hash of it the uh proposed religious uh, discrimination bill it seems to me that uh, the strategy of the modern liberal parties at both state and federal level is just we're going to be stable economic managers and uh, if you let Labor in, they're going to wreck the joint and put up your taxes. That's basically the well. Uh, that was a uh, that was the the 2022 uh, federal election strategy of the Liberals. That awful uh, earworm: more taxes are coming. That was basically the campaign, mm. and that didn't work. And it didn't work because uh, they didn't actually practice it. I mean, look at the look at the fiscal profligacy. Um, of uh, of the coalition governments, particularly over the last particularly over the last three years, um, uh, sp spending spending like drunken sailors, and in the end, um, people again saw no difference um, between the coalition and Labor as far as prudent economic management is concerned. I mean, since since the coalition came to office, and I know. Uh, Tony Abbott uh, tried, and I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but really, uh, since 2014, 2015, there really has been no attempt 
uh, by a coalition government to actually rein in spending and make the necessary reforms um, to try and to try and uh, keep up its mantle as the prudent economic managers. Um, you, you, we still have one of the highest uh, personal slash company uh, tax rates in the OECD. Um, not to mention the not to mention the trillion dollar deficit. But the other thing too is that um, there was timidity shown in this area as well as far as tax reform is concerned as well, and industrial relations reform. I mean, there was an, there was an attempt by the then Attorney General Christian Porter to tinker at the edges. But again, there was no actual going in and arguing the case um, for for these reforms. And in the end, they Morrison with this with this typical attitude of his shelve the reforms to try and get on with the ACTU throughout the coronavirus. Um, and therein lies the therein lies the issue with with the, with the coalition and the conservative or so called conservative parties in this country that they're not actually prepared, they're not actually prepared to defend to do anything to defend the mantle of prudent economic managers, uh, among a host of other things, because while they might while they might say these words about look, you know, that if you elect Labor, it'll be worse than what it is now. Um, the reality is, in practice, um, they're they're just as bad. Uh, going to the you mentioned the the twenty fourteen Abbott hockey budget, which was uh, an attempt to rein in the the size and spending of the federal government, but uh, the intense media uh, backlash. Uh, that's what we should call it, and the, the the blocking in the in the Senate uh, had a lasting impact on uh, the uh, remainder of the coalition's time in government. And you mentioned industrial relations; they're still scarred from the the work choices mm. Howard lost in in two thousand and seven. So they, they, the 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 trauma of, of tr attempting a reform uh, seems to just linger with them. And a similar things happened in Queensland when the uh, Campbell Newman government uh, got turfed out after one term. Uh, the LNP in opposition, they basically want to memory hold the, uh, the Campbell Newman years. And he said that they treat me like Voldemort now. <laughs> yeah. Well, 2007 is, we're coming up to 15 years now. You know, that's almost, that's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. And what do you, I mean, what are you keep going to keep doing? I mean, are you going to keep thinking that you can't do anything because it went so badly before? Um, it's, this, you, people elect their politicians to do something that they think will better will better their lives. Now, I'm not saying that um, the coalition parties have to go in, you know, within within a year, they have to do anything. They you, adopt a crash or crash through policy. Um, but we also have to look at why um, these things didn't happen and why these things occurred. Now, um, in 2014, as you mentioned, there was a Senate that was blocking. Now, um, in... Uh, there were certain characters in that Senate, which, and I've said before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I think uh, the Abbott government was actually cursed because it won a it won in a thumping majority uh, in the in the lower house, but it had that completely unworkable Senate with some, shall we say, interesting characters. 
Um, but also at the time you had a certain Clive Palmer um, who wasn't actually um, wasn't actually contributing favourably to the debate. Yeah, this was uh, Palmer uh, version uh, one. Yeah, Palmer version one was the version that brought out Al Gore uh, to Australia. I, I remember. Yeah. So look, you can't um, you can't actually I think say well look reform doesn't work because people don't people don't want it. Um, you have to look at the circumstances in which that reform was tried. And also, don't forget, um, uh, you mentioned Joe Hockey at the time. Um, in my view, uh, he lost control of that debate um, because it turned from a budget emergency into an economic emergency. Now, how that happened, I mean, obviously that's, a, that's an issue for, for, the, for the players at the time, but it contributed to that media hysteria you were you were talking about that they weren't able to control, they weren't able to control um, that aspect, that aspect of the debate. And the other thing too, at the time, because of that, they weren't able to actually explain and articulate why these reforms were necessary. Um, you look at politicians like John Howard and Bob Hawke, um, the majority, uh, or indeed at various times, um, their poll performance was probably worse um, than Tony Abbott ever had or the Abbott-led government ever had. But at the end of the day, because of, because of their conviction and because of their political skills, they were able to explain to the people why these reforms are necessary and were able to carry them through. And that's what's also lacking, um, particularly uh, in the coalition parties at the moment. Um, and mind you, it's a disease on both sides of politics. But particularly in the coalition parties, there's no one there that's actually able to articulate uh, sensible centre-right programs or policies and actually defend them and say why they're necessary and explain, well, look, um, we're not going to do this, that and the other. Uh, again, I go back to John Howard in, in leading up to the 1996 election. I mean, the ALP tried to bring up all, every kind of scare campaign about his previous statements on Medicare, on industrial relations, on the environment, you name it, they threw the kitchen sink at him. But he was able to successfully put together uh, policies and carry them out, which still were worthy of a centre-right government, but also didn't make the mistakes of the past. And I'm not saying that uh, mistakes were ma weren't made. They definitely were made, but it's up to uh, people to learn from those mistakes and say, well, look, we, we, we have to make sure that we carry out our policies, that we're a genuine centre-right government, um, that people and that our supporters expect of us without making the same mistakes of the past. And again, um, that's what Bob Hawke did with uh, looking back at the Whitlam era. I mean, he managed to implement his agenda, but without the chaos and the, and the, the, the absolute nonsense that was the Gough Whitlam era. And again, with uh, John Howard, he learned from his mistakes in the Fraser years um, and in opposition, and he made mistakes in opposition. And I'm sure if you were... To, to talk to him today, he, he'd, he'd admit that himself. But it's also about, um, le politics is also about learning from mistakes and make sure you don't make those mistakes again. And because as you say, what's happened is they've become so reform shy um, that now people again don't, don't know what they actually stand for and can't differentiate um, between the coalition parties and the ALP. Uh, you mentioned uh, the, the the Fraser years. They're often referred to as the the, the wasted uh, years in Liberal coalition 
history. And uh, I think it's fair to make an analogy that the, the past uh, eight and three quarter years of coalition government have been uh, wasted. Uh, with the, the, the new uh, coalition opposition, obviously it's, it, it's a process to adjust to opposition. Uh, the same thing occurred with the, uh, uh, with the coalition opposition uh, when they lost in, in 2007. It was very clear when Peter Dutton was elected opposition leader uh, unopposed. Obviously, uh, he uh, is a a warrior of the the right, both as as Home Affairs uh, Minister, uh, wasn't afraid to take on the dirty lefties, and as a Defence uh, Minister, uh, helped uh, negotiate AUKUS. And the impression I got from his first press conference, he said they will be a bad government. He was adopting the Abbott opposition strategy is when the Albanese government makes uh, mistakes, you make sure that you you highlight them uh, uh, relentlessly. And if they break a promise, make sure that they're reminded of it. And so his, his strategy is to rely on the Albanese government failing, which um, Albanese was there in the Rudd-Gillard years um so far uh they've made sure that the the boats uh are, are continue continuing to not come mm. uh, a lot will hinge on the jim chalmers mini budget uh yeah. at the end of, of this month what do you make of uh that type of strategy just sort of waiting for Fa uh, failure from the, the the government because it's likely, uh, but it's it, it it's it they could uh, manage to. I mean, Chalmers is talking about uh, fiscal responsibility. What do you make of that type of strategy? Well, I don't think it's going to work. Um, waiting for your opponents to fall over. I mean. Albanese, I don't think he's, as you say, he's so far made sure that the boats are not coming. And because I think as a member of that government, he realised the Rudd-Gillard years, he realised how toxic that was for them. And these people aren't silly. Um, I don't think they're going to make the same mistakes of the Rudd-Gillard years. So it's it's no good uh, adopting a, look, give him a, give him a shovel and he'll dig a hole big enough for himself strategy. I don't think that's going to work. Um, you look at, uh, again, we go back to, to 2009, um, when uh, notwithstanding, uh, notwithstanding all, the, all the issues that Kevin Rudd was having, um, the, the, the coalition was still well behind in the polls. People um, uh, were, were not happy uh, to, to give the coalition its vote when it wanted to adopt a Me Too attitude on uh, the emissions trading scheme and the like. Um, so what did the coalition parties do? Um, even though it was, was by, at the end of the day, the thinnest of margins, they elected Tony Abbott as leader. Uh, as you say, uh, a person who was prepared to prosecute the case and highlight the government's failings day in and day out. Now, within six months, he'd managed to knock off Kevin Rudd. Uh, the, the Labor Party got so spooked um, that they didn't even let Kevin Rudd uh, sit the, uh, for, uh, stand for the next election uh, as, as Prime Minister to defend his record in government. They went for Julia Gillard. 
And um, even so, uh, the 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 coalition uh, almost won government. Um, and then over the preceding over the the, the succeeding three years, um, the the Gillard government again made so many so many errors and broke obviously the no carbon tax policy um, that uh, and Abbott was in there day in and day out prosecuting the case. I mean, in two elections, he took 25 seats off the Labor Party. That's a feat that I don't think will ever be repeated. Uh, uh, It's it's amazing. Um, So Peter Dutton, that's a lesson for Peter Dutton. And he was there during those years. He's been in Parliament since 2001. So he would he would hopefully have memories of that and realise that you just can't uh, sit by and wait. There are issues you have to address and you have to go in hard on. And he's been given a few opportunities um, last week with what happened to to Andrew Andrew Thorburn. Um, there's an issue there that um, you know the coalition parties are the ones that have to stand for for religious freedom and also for traditional values uh, like Christian values. Now, whether you're Christian or not. Um, Atheists, there are many atheists who realise that if it weren't for for Christian values, we wouldn't have the legal system and uh, equality before the law and all those kind of things. Um, There are other things I think that Peter Dutton uh, needs to make sure he prosecutes the case on. Um, I think with the the Indigenous voice to Parliament, um, I I still can't understand why he has not put or did not appoint uh, Jacinta Price as a shadow Indigenous Affairs Minister. I, I can't, I still can't work that one out. Um, considering that uh, she would, if anyone has heard Jacinda Price speak, um, and if anyone's watched her maiden speech, look, uh, you, you can't help but admire uh, this person and how she articulates her ideas, her conviction, um, and the fact that, look, she's probably had everything thrown at her by the bar the kitchen sink and it just it's just washes off her uh, like water off a duck's back. Um, she should she should be the one out there leading the coalition case uh, against enshrining uh, racial division in the constitution. Um, so while there have been some encouraging signs, um, there are still many things I think that that Peter Dutton could do, um, and hopefully. After the after the mini budget, he decides to ramp up the pressure because look, every government's going to get a honeymoon period, um, but it's it's no good just sitting by and and waiting for them to make a mistake. It's only by putting pressure on your opponents that they're going to start making mistakes. And it wasn't if and that's what Tony Abbott successfully did. He kept arguing and putting pressure on both Rudd and Gillard that. In the end, um, they made too many mistakes, and the electorate realised that it, they weren't they were no longer viable. Um, and again, founded on a, a true centre right product differentiation. Well, if you elect us, we're going to do this, that, and the other, and then you actually try and do it in in government. Um, within two years, um, you know the boats had been stopped, the carbon tax had been repealed, um, and if the uh, the bedwetters in the Liberal Party uh, hadn't uh, hadn't got the hadn't got the uh, the wobblies. Um, I think we would have seen. Um, I think we would have seen uh, more of a true centre right agenda being implemented. Because I think after that, you would have had the economic reforms, the industrial relations reforms, and indeed um, the education, the reforms to to education, which which 
are, were unforgivable that um, the coalition government, uh, while it was in office, did nothing um, to halt the wokeism in the national curriculum. And that's something that Peter Dutton really should be prosecuting on as well. He really should be labouring that day in and day out because over the last two years, with lockdowns and whatnot, people have seen what their kids are learning at school and they're not happy. And uh, you only have to see um, what's happened in America while parent, when parents realise they're not happy um, with what's what's uh, what their kids are learning at school. Um, you've got to, Peter Dutton has to lean into the culture wars because he'll have the people on his side. Uh, another uh, uh, critical uh, important issue that uh, the Albanese government has held the, the line on is uh, with uh, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, Wong uh, has uh, been very strong saying we'll talk, but, you know, we're certainly, you know, <laughs> not uh, going to be uh, best friends. And uh, it's it's very clear that uh, uh, the well, at least in this mini budget, uh, they're not going to break the uh, stage three tax cuts promise, uh, which that's less ammunition for uh, Dutton. Uh, but uh, one of the things that uh, the coalition seems united on in opposition, it would have been great if they did it in government, is uh, uh, pushing nuclear uh, power, mm. uh, given that uh, the, the, the energy crisis is going to, to, to keep uh, getting getting worse, cost of living is is going to increase. Uh, so, and, and this is an, another thing that uh, people have problem with the, uh, the 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 Liberal Party uh, is that uh, promise these these good things in opposition, but then don't do it in in government. Uh, we were just mm. talking about 18C was a commitment of Tony Abbott in opposition was squibbed. Mm in government. So nuclear yes, power is yes, great. Script. Yeah. script thanks to people like Scott Morrison, who was one of the big blockers of that, by the way. Um, look, again, you, I mean, you mentioned nuclear and again, Scott Morrison went on Paul Murray uh, and said, look, I don't want to engage in the debate on nuclear because um, I don't want a scare campaign. It's this conservative cowardice, uh, again, this timidity, um, which, as you say, uh, really annoys uh, Liberal Party supporters. But here, um, Peter Dutton, uh, like Tony Abbott, had a, an opportunity with the carbon tax and prosecuted it day in and day out. Remember that promise of Anthony Albanese's before the election that electricity bills would go down $275? What's happened to that? Um, <laughs> these are things that they should be in on day in and day out. Now, uh, we're going to have uh, this mini budget, but obviously we'll probably do nothing um, to, to uh, stop electricity prices going through the roof. Um, what we heard the other day, what was it, that they're going to go up 35% over the next year? I mean, this is, there's nothing like an issue that hits, uh, that hits the voter when it hits them in the hip pocket. And this is where the coalition obviously could play to its traditional strengths. That you are, what did John Howard once say? You're always better off under a coalition government than you will be under a Labor government. And this is, this is, uh, this is the classic... This is the classic case for that. And if they were to pursue uh, nuclear and were to argue cogently for the case nuclear and stare down uh, the fear campaign as uh, previous uh, coalition leaders have done, I mean, John Howard stared down a fear campaign on the GST um, successfessfully. This, uh, uh, if, uh, if you present to the people, look, 
nuclear energy is a viable, clean, cheap alternative. If you want to make sure that you don't freeze to death, that you can turn the air conditioning on in the summer, um, that you don't have to worry about feeding your kids or keeping warm, uh, all these kind of things. I mean, that is a classic hip pocket issue. And it would play to um, the what I think should now be and what many people now think, even in the Liberal Party circles, should actually be its core constituency, the people in the outer suburbs, um, the uh, what have variously been defined by, were defined by Sir Robert Menzies as the forgotten people. They were the Howard Battlers, Tony's Tradies, and dare I say it now, the, the quiet Australians. Um, these are people for, for whom these bread and butter issues are the key. They're not interested in these uh, in these debates about, uh, you know, um, about um, uh, whether nuclear is is uh, is viable or not. If you can show them that it will be viable, and it, there is research, out, plenty of research out there, and plenty of ammunition uh, that the coalition can rely on to show that it's to show that it's to show that it's viable. Um, <laughs> if you if you see anyone who sees their power bill will say, well, look how what. How can I? How can I make sure that I, I pay my? Because it's killing my business. It's it's make it's 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 it is a genuine, as you say, cost cost of living issue. Um, there is a there is a, an issue there waiting uh, to be argued cogently and properly. And look, you only have to look at uh, Energy Minister Chris Bowen's record uh, in in when he was in government. Um, he was uh, he was the architect of. Grocery watch, which lasted the proverbial five minutes when people realised it was a complete shambles and it was shelved. Um, he was the arc, he was the immigration minister under Rudd and, and Gillard when all the boats kept coming. And then he was shadow treasurer uh, when he was the architect of the whole franking credits policy and went out and said, uh, look, if you don't like our policies, don't vote for us, um, <laughs> which has to be the worst political slogan of all time. So he, yeah, there, there are so many things here. And now he's the architect of a policy and he still runs around saying, look, uh, renewables are cheaper and they're because- Electric utes, that's what he's yeah, pushing now. Yeah, look, I, this is nonsense, absolute nonsense. And it's there for the taking. It's there for the taking if you've got a, a, a a coalition and Peter Dutton in particular, who's willing to take the fight up to them because people are crying out for someone to take up the fight for them. And if they see that someone will take up the, the fight for them, um, then I think uh, the, there'll be a way back into government for the coalition. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the, the Liberals should aim for the outer suburban seats and in the, the outer uh, seats in uh, Sydney, and Melbourne, there were swings to the Liberals, but not enough at the moment to flip uh, those seats. Uh, uh, the LNP in Queensland held all of their uh, Brisbane seats, but obviously the well, the big story that uh, the, the the media focused on was uh, the the teal bath uh, winning yeah. four seats in uh, eastern and northern Sydney. Uh, two in inner Melbourne and uh, one uh, in Western Australia, uh, Curtin. Yeah. Uh, yes. And because uh, these seats like Curtin, Kuyong, Goldstein, Wentworth, 
uh, North Sydney blue ribbon seats at the 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 mainstream media say see this is the the, the liberal party they're uh they're they're lo- they're, they're losing uh their uh, the 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 center uh you know of their of their party uh you know they really need to well uh come and join uh modern uh australia and embrace uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know integrity uh gender equality climate action that was the slogan of the the teals and uh susan layer when uh, at that first press conference when she was uh, elected unopposed deputy leader uh made some remarks about women of australia you know we heard you uh, mm-hmm. implying that uh the 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 liberal party hasn't previously listened to women well look let's take apart some of that or as the left like to say, let's unpack that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Look at the seats that the Liberals, these uh, blue ribbon seats that the Liberals lost, right? Um, Who were the members of Felinski, Sharma, Cecilia Hammond in WA? Um, the member for Gold, who's the member for Goldstein? Um, it was uh, Tim Wilson. And Tim Wilson, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. Now, they are the so-called, they were the so-called moderates, right? They're the moderates of the party. Up against candidates who, even though they were arguing a lot based on uh based on fallacies, uh, what they argue from a position of conviction. And when people saw that you've got guys, bedwetters like Sharma and, uh, excuse me, uh, bedwetters like Sharma and Tim Wilson and, and that kind of ilk, they put up, put up against uh, these teals who were arguing these positions with conviction, well, people said, well, look, again, the Liberals at the moment are trying to imitate that kind of policy and it's a poor photocopy. So we'll just pick the real thing. We'll just pick the real thing. And these are people who, uh, as you know, uh, have little, you know, can afford all these, this transition to renewables because they're ultra wealthy. Right? These are, so the concerns of putting uh, food on the table and trying to run a small business um, are far removed from these people. Their concerns are not the traditional forgotten people concerns. Um, and by trying to uh, by trying to appease them, by trying to appease them, the Liberal Party is going down a, a rabbit hole. It's not going to come out of any time soon. Um, it's. This is this is what Sir Robert Menzies realised, and I think um, at the time, um, uh, the father of Alexander Downer, Sir Alec Downer, um, uh, at the t- uh, I think if, if uh, mentioned something that uh, I was going back uh, a, a couple of months ago after the federal election, looking at that old 1994 series, The Liberals, which was on the ABC um, by Prue Goward. And it was produced for the 50th anniversary of the of the Federal Liberal Party. And Alec Downer said to his son, "Look, don't listen to these wealthy business people. 
because they're self-serving. They're, they're not, they only care about themselves and not necessarily about, um, about anything in terms of the good of the party or the good of society or things like that. And we're sort of seeing the same kind of thing. I mean, Simon Holmes at court, these kind of people. Um, well, he was a member of Josh Frydenberg's uh, Kuyong 200 back in the, the day. Yeah, yeah, I know. And these are, these are people who are self-serving. They're, they're, they're not there um, for the, this independence and, and integrity thing. I mean, you only have to look at where they've got all their, where they've got all their interests tied up in, and we're not going to go down that road um, too much because otherwise we could be uh, we could be up for slander and libel and things like that. But um, but the fact of the matter is, you say that um, they didn't get enough in those. Uh, there was a swing to the Liberals in those outer seats, but not enough. Well, um, there's that's where the potential is, isn't it? Um, it's uh, slowly, slowly. Slowly, slowly, um, that is where those that is where those seats. Uh, if the Liberals actually concentrate properly, or the coalition concentrates properly on those seats, um, they will not only uh, retain the ones that they already have in the outer suburbs, but they'll actually win some more. I mean, the flip side of it, again of this Teals thing is look at the National Party. Um, they actually retained all these seats. They didn't lose any seats. So the parties that actually argued from a position of conviction um, gained either retained or, or, or gained seats. It was the parties that tried to, um, like the Liberals, that, got, uh, that tried to imitate um, the other side rather than argue from a position of conviction that actually, that actually lost. Um, they're not going to win uh, an election by trying to appease, um, appease these kind of people. An appeaser, as Winston Churchill said, is someone who feeds a crocodile hoping it's going to eat him last. Um, you only have to look at uh, electoral, uh, electoral trends around the world to see that that kind of, uh, that kind of politics isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, Boris Johnson won in 2019. That red wall broke down that red wall, promising Brexit. He's since let them down with that net zero climate change uh, nonsense of his. Um, but look, in Italy, it was the working class people that voted for Giorgia Meloni. In, um, in, in the US, it's the working class people that are voting for the Republicans. Um, and there's no reason to think why it's not going to happen here. Um, we're already starting to see trends of that nature. If only the, um, the Liberal Party would actually argue and articulate policies for them, uh, for, these, for these people, that's when they're going to attract. Uh, that's when they're going to attract those votes even more. And it's happened in the past. It happened with John Howard. It happened with Tony Abbott, and it'll happen again. At the recent CPAC Australia conference in uh, Sydney, uh, Federal Liberal Vice President uh, Tina McQueen uh, said that she was glad that uh, all the moderates were uh, defeated, and she'd been wanting to get rid of them. Uh, for years, uh, uh, Peter Dutton on Insiders last Sunday said that uh, those weren't uh, uh, good comments and uh, they, they won't be made again. Like, really, uh, it was a, it re really slapped her down. Um, yeah. And so uh, Dutton clearly thinks that uh, 
they can win back some of those seats. I'm not sure he hasn't outlined uh, a strategy. Certainly with the way that uh, some of the Teals have carried on, such as uh, Monique Ryan in, in, in Kuyong, uh, I think Frydenberg, he'd have a good chance of of winning uh, that back. Uh, but uh, Dutton, he's been eager to say we're still going to be the broad church of the conservatives, the small owl liberals, uh, like uh, uh, like how uh, John Howard described uh, the party. Uh, it's clear that uh, he doesn't want to sort of be in one direction. Well, it's okay to have a broad church, but um, when it was a broad church, it was successful when you had a conservative as leader. John Howe was from the conservative wing of the party. Tony Abbott was from the conservative wing of the party. And, and Malcolm Fraser um, was from, at the time, at the time was from the conservative wing of the party. Remember, he was up against uh, the, his predecessor, whom he toppled, was uh, Billy Snedden, who was part of those infamous Victorian small L liberals that uh, Sir Robert Menzies decried in uh, that letter to his daughter, Heather, who, who he said at the time back in 1974 that uh, they would, um, they would uh, stand for anything if they thought it worth a few votes. Um, and he, he described it as, as, as tragic. Now, um, this is where I, I said before, Peter Dutton has is, is, uh, is been a bit of a disappointment in that sense, because he's still trying to straddle both sides of the fence. Um, but it's okay to have a broad church because you need you know, to hear alternative views. But at the end of the day, the Liberals are only successful uh, electorally uh, when they have a, yes, they have that component in the party, but you've got the Conservative as leader. Now, you only have to look at, just going back to those, I mean, if, if Peter Dutton thinks he can win some of those seats back, well, he can't do what the Liberals did to Catherine Deves in, in uh, Warringah. Uh, I mean, you know, those kind of issues uh, would, would uh, I think you'd have the majority of the population on your side on those issues that Catherine Dees was arguing on, but because her campaign was so sabotaged by, uh, by the Liberals, I mean, they wouldn't even let her talk um, publicly. I mean, um, I um, wouldn't let her go on any TV interviews. It wasn't until I think uh, Chris Kinney sort of snuck up, her, snuck up on her at Scott when the during the election campaign uh, for Sky that she gave a doorstop. Um, they, they, uh, they nominated her, but then they weren't prepared to let her, to let her argue her case. Well, you're not gonna win any, you're not gonna win any contents if you, contest if you hide your light under a bushel. Um, you've got to let her, you've got to let the candidates go out and, um, and argue the case. Um, and maybe you might say in, in Josh Frydenberg's old seat of, of Kuyong, if they put up a if they put up a true conservative, um, or someone who's actually going to expose Monique Ryan's for all her failings, they might have a chance. But I wouldn't see them winning them all back anytime soon. Um, they might get one or two back, but I I don't think that's going to be a, a long term uh, electoral successful electoral strategy, considering. Um, that the issues that those people argue for and the people in those electorates um, uh, are far removed from the rest of, you know, the rest of Australia. I mean, don't forget, these are the electorates that all voted overwhelmingly for a republic um, in 1999, um, but the rest of Australia just, doesn't, just didn't want a bar of it. So uh, I, 
I don't see that electoral success uh, for the coalition is going to lie uh, by winning back those seats. Um, they have to really go for, for these people for whom uh, the economy and the economic downturn, electricity prices, cost of living issues are really going to bite. And then they can argue to their traditional strengths as better economic managers. Uh, given that, uh, Catherine Deves, uh, there was a, a 4% swing to uh, Zali Stegel, the uh, incumbent teal. I don't think they're going to be pre-selecting Catherine Deves-type candidates in those inner-city seats going forward. Another uh, flashpoint at the, the recent CPAC uh, conference was uh, former uh, a Liberal uh, Senator Nick Nick Minchin uh, asked about uh, does anything need to uh, change or be reformed in the Liberal Party? To be frank, I don't know that the Liberal Party needs a whole lot of changing. It has profound... You're joking. (laughs) Hey, calm down, will you? I thought we were a Conservative government. You're worse than a socialist audience. Give me a chance to speak. I haven't seen a audience turn like that uh, since uh, Malcolm Turnbull uh, said to the the New South Wales Liberal Conference, uh, "We're not ruled by factions or deals in back rooms." <laughs> um, look, I wasn't in the room. Uh, I, I I did attend CPAC, but I had I had to leave by that stage to, to catch the plane home. So I I what I what I've seen from that is what I've seen um, uh, played uh, uh, on. Uh, on that, uh, on various media outlets, and what people have told me who were there. Look, and I've and I wrote about it uh, in the Epoch Times recently. Look, um, Nick Minchin also said, "Look, you've got to go back to the Liberal Party statement. We believe." Um, and if you go on that, uh, yeah, and there you go. Thank you very much. Um, you've got to go to the Liberal Party statement. We believe. Now, the Liberal Party doesn't need to change those statements on there because they talk about freedom of speech, freedom of association, lower taxes, smaller government, all those kind of things. But it's the fact that they didn't, it's the fact that they abandoned Scott Morrison, Malcolm Turnbull, and their fellow travellers abandoned those values. And that's where Tina McQueen was right when she said, well, look, we've got rid of some of these bedwetters. We need to get rid of the rest of them now. so it's not a, it's the Liberal Party's values in a sense don't need to change. Um, it's we need to put people in there to stand up and defend them and argue for them and prosecute them because it's only when that's done that people will consider them worthy of government. Um, the other thing I'll mention is uh, Nick mentioned Nick mentioned uh, his reaction um, um, to the booing. I think. Um, is interesting because uh, he was actually one of uh, John Howard's foot soldiers on a lot of the conservative causes. Uh, he have argued stridently. He was one of the leading campaigners against the, the for the no case, I should say, in the Republican uh, referendum. Um, he stood alongside one of the few. I mean, John Howard, I think, once remarked he wishes he had a lot more people around the cabinet table um, to help him argue, prosecute some of those uh uh, conservative ideals he was trying to implement, but Nick Minchin was one of those. So, look, um, his statement in itself uh, probably c- uh, came out wrong, and uh, yes. wasn't that's why it wasn't appreciated by the audience. 
But again, you've actually got to go back and look look to it. And I think what he he definitely was trying to say was, look, it's not the values of the parties that need to change. You need to find people in there who will stand up and defend them. And that's why the Liberals um, have have been so uh, have been performing uh, so poorly electorally because these people have abandoned the values of the Liberal Party. And there would have been a lot uh, in that uh, audience who were uh, scoffing at uh, Nick Minchin's uh, remarks would have voted for uh, the United Australia Party or Palmer mm-hmm. 3.0, uh, One Nation, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Liberal the Democrats, uh, yeah. because uh, John Ruddick, who wrote the book, uh, make, uh, make the Liberal Party Great Again, decided in the end it couldn't be made great again. And mm-hmm. so ran for the Liberal Democrats and he's going to be running for them again at the the New South Wales state election. And yeah. in Victoria, uh, Ralph Babette uh, took, a, uh, t- took a Senate seat off the uh, Liberals' uh, Greg Marabella and Pauline Hanson's re-election came at the expense of the LNP's Amanda Stoker. Yeah, yeah. Look, the, the, the Liberals again shot themselves in the foot um, as far as that was concerned, because they preferenced, and across seats and in the Senate, they preferenced, in a lot of cases, the ALP ahead of One Nation, ahead of the Lib Dems, ahead of Palmer. I mean, in my seat, um, the Liberal Democrat candidate was fourth on the ballot paper, was preference fourth on the ballot paper, um, and should have been at least, yes, should have been second. Um, you know, because these are ideas, if you look at the statement, we believe, and you look at what these, what the parties like the Lib Dems and, and One Nation and Palmer were arguing for ideologically, they're fellow travellers. So, um, and with our preferential voting system, um, the Liberals, I think, uh, again, did themselves an absolute disservice by preferencing the, the ALP ahead of these ideological fellow travellers. And look what they've done. They've gifted the Senate uh, to the ALP uh, who only need to have the Greens on side, which will happen 95% of the time. And uh, David Pocock, uh, the, yeah. what is it? Uh, he's not really a teal uh, person. Like, he's in terms an independent company. Yeah. yeah he, so, got, he got money from Climate 200, but he's pretty much like a, like a greenie in most of his views. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and that's where, um, again, a lot of that angst would have been coming uh, at Nick Minchin. The other thing I'll mention about that, just by the by, um, just by the by, is the room was, I mean, I, as I said, I wasn't there for that presentation, but I was there until the presentation beforehand. The presentations beforehand when you'd had, um, when you had, uh, uh, um, uh, Topher Field's presentation, uh, him uh, on on the lockdowns in Melbourne, Battleground Melbourne. You had that, which and look, I watched that, and like most people in that room, I mean, you, you, we'd heard about it and seen it a lot of this over the last two years. But having those four people um, go up there and speak about their experiences, um, and when and when it was considered that Scott Morrison uh, and the Liberals did nothing, what did Scott Morrison say? He had, gives his, Daniel, Daniel Andrews his every support um, through the lockdowns. Um, and said not, absolutely nothing when Zoe Bueller was arrested in her own home. When uh, people were shot at with rubber bullets, he, he didn't say a word. Um, so people have had memories of that and that, that the Liberals did nothing. Um, 
you, uh, you had uh, presentations on how on the national curriculum and how bad it was. You had uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts beforehand saying, well, look, you know, as I've just pointed out, the Liberals preferenced uh, the ALP ahead of... Yeah, he, is, uh, he didn't hold yeah. back in his uh, presentation right. about yeah. uh, what the, uh, the Liberals had done in government. That's right, exactly. And people that heard all of that were reminded of all of that and were fired up. So um, the context to that reaction to, to, to Nick Minchin's, um, to Nick Minchin, as I say, uh, what he necessarily, what he said in itself wasn't necessarily wrong, but the way it came out and the context in which it was given, um, yeah, I think the reaction um, was was uh, was there for all to see and uh, yeah, probably was... I, um, some people don't condone it. Some people say, "Look, it was understandable." Um, you know, and like I said, you know, you and this is where I think now the Liberals have an opportunity to rediscover those values and reach out. I hope to these ideological fellow travellers in the minor parties to get them back on side because you know they're not going to they're not going to uh, they're not these are people we talk about votes being lost to the teals, but the Liberals lost a whole lot of votes to these minor parties. Um, I think Nick Kate, I think I pointed that out in my Epoch Times article that uh, uh, Nick Cater uh, said that there's something like over 600,000 votes were lost across the country um, to minor parties. Now, the Liberals, if they want to win government, they have to work out how to try and get these, get these votes back. Um, and these are natural, this is the natural constituency, the Liberal voters. I mean, who was it, Textor and Turnbull that boasted that um, these people won't have anywhere else to go? Well, they found yeah. somewhere else to go. They found somewhere else to go, and if the Liberals want to get back in government and get back in government quickly, um, they have to they have to um, have to get these votes back. Uh, the Liberal Party is not uh, doing uh, too well at the the state level. I mean, in your state, Western Australia, in March twenty twenty one, the the Liberal Party was reduced to a rump, two seats in the lower house. The Nationals are the official opposition. Uh, they uh, lost the uh the south australian election in in march uh the, the interesting thing about that election was it was a socially progressive uh liberal premier uh stephen marshall uh rightly called the marshmallow losing to a socially conservative labor leader in in peter alnauskas and uh, here in Victoria, we have our uh, election in a month and a half, and Matthew Guy's strategy uh, yeah, for the for the past six months has just been to say "me too" to everything yeah. that uh, yeah. Dan Andrews is uh, proposing, such as the uh, the treaty uh, with uh, Victoria's uh, Indigenous tribes, uh, a treaty with itself, uh, supporting net zero there this is a horrendous uh instagram post by the liberal victoria account uh which has the the climate change combo solar uh shaker fries cola net zero emissions uh tree-based burger the policies are better under liberal victoria and they're also a trying to fight the election on uh, what are traditional uh, labour strengths such as health and, and public transport? And this is their uh, their TikTok wrap uh, uh, on these issues. One thing to know about Dan Andrews, he's been health minister or premier for 12 years. We're in the middle of a health crisis, but Dan doesn't care. He cut two billion from health. 
what a nightmare. But somehow he still found $35 billion to invest in one train. Is he insane? Vic has the most set in the country, but he wants to raise it further. We can't let this occur. It's time to end his career. Okay, apologies to our audience for, for, for playing that. Um, look, I, I think I've said before, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, if, you, um, if, if you're going to imitate, try and imitate your opponent, people are going to choose the real thing every time. And I don't see what this kind of, I don't see what this kind of strategy is going to achieve. I mean, you've had, you've had uh, what one of the, I think it's what the the most lockdown city in the world in Melbourne. Yeah, uh, 262 yeah. days. Yeah. I, I lived through it and it was horrendous. So many, yeah, so many lives shattered. Um, and the health effects of the lockdown are now being seen with delayed cancer diagnoses, the mental health issues of all of, of all of this, the separated families. Um, why, I, I don't know why, uh, I can't understand when you've got uh, the, the precedents that have been set in Western Australia when Zach Kirkup, who was the Liberal leader last year, wanted to uh, close down coal-fired power stations before Mark McGowan did, uh, went me too on all the health advice when uh, at the start of the state election campaign last year, Mark McGowan locked out two and a half million people over one positive case. Uh, Which didn't yeah. affect anyone else. Exactly. So you, they, they, had, they had the perfect ammunition there to say, look, this is insane, to present an alternative. Um, and, and, and they scripted it. And, you know, we saw in, 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 in South Australia this policy, this, this idea that we, we try and outleft our opponents just didn't work. Um, if you try something 10 times and it doesn't work, it ain't going to work the 11th time. Um, so, look, I think the, the Liberals are obviously determined uh, to remain in opposition um, with, 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 this kind of, with this kind of nonsense. Um, look, it's, it's one thing to say, well, look, um, it's one thing to say, well, look, we have to try and neutralise neutralise issues. But this is the whole point of this focus group polling. Um, that, well, and also that, trying not to get called names by the mainstream media and the, the people on social media avoid some hashtag. That's right. Well, it's, what was what it, 5% of people are on Twitter or something, yet they, 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 they run the narrative. I mean, look at how Ron DeSantis stands up to the, to the mainstream media in, in Florida. He just he calls them out. He stands up to them. He argues with them. He points out where they're wrong. It, it's all this conservative cowardice. They're just too afraid to argue. Too afraid of scare campaigns. Too afraid to uh, get called names, as you say. And when people see that you you uh, you, you display cowardice, well, I don't see that that wins any votes. Um, and this kind of cheap uh, TikTok stuff. Um, yeah, like you say, uh, you apologise to the audience for for displaying it. I, I don't see how that. I don't see who can be impressed by that. Well, we will find out uh, if uh, this strategy works this time uh, in a month and a month and a half time uh, with yeah, our right. election. That's right. Sorry, Tim. And the other thing too. I mean, with that whole Andrew Thorburn thing. I mean, they've been given a gift. They've been given a gift. Um, to um, to to argue, 
um, for, for religious freedom. And I'll never forget Michael Kroger on Sky News election coverage said if the, Liberal, if the Liberals had argued for the protection of people's right to freely practice their religion, they would have won in a canter. Well, there's a classic, uh, it's been handed to, to Matthew Guy on a, on a silver platter, yet I don't think he's said much about it. And the other thing too, the other thing too, those, the votes, if you look at the federal uh, election uh, vote distribution uh, votes, there was a swing to Liberals in those outer suburban seats that suffered horrendously from those lockdowns. Um, so there are two issues there that the Liberals can prosecute, forget about all this other rubbish, but oh no, um, we've, we've got to go woke and it's going to send them broke, I tell you. And also there's the New South Wales state election in, in March where there was uh, high hopes for uh, Dominic uh, Perrottet as probably the, the first the the first conservative liberal premier they'd had but he's just towed the 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 moderate line and there doesn't seem to be any difference between him now and uh matt keen his new deputy and treasurer that's that's it matt keen seems to seems to be running the show there and um look all that can be said for this um is that maybe we 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 get rid of we get rid of all these wets um and that the party can actually focus on um attracting conservatives because you know this might be a winter but it's during the winter that you do the pruning and that you see growth again um so this is this is the uh, this is the the silver lining um people are trying to see and we don't want to spread doom and gloom all the time but hopefully this is what finally shakes the liberals when they lose all these elections horrendously um that all these people all these you know apparatchiks that Turnbull said didn't run the party will in fact do run the party who's who uh, stand for uh, who uh, stand for nothing and compromise on everything finally they will be gone and you can actually have a a, a, a situation where there's renewal and true and 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 people with a true conservative ideals can actually uh, enter into the party and finally uh, the liberals might actually realize um, what's been done in other countries with conservative parties is you actually give a membership the say in electing the leader. And I think that would be a, a great incentive for people to join the party if you actually give them a say in joining the leader. Initially, I was against this kind of thing, but looking at what's happened in Canada where they've elected the, the Tories over there, as they call themselves, have elected a true conservative leader and he's up 10 points. He's thrashing Trudeau at the moment. Um, the uh, the um, Tories in the UK elected Bojo and they elected Liz Truss against Rishi Sunak. Uh, Liz Truss obviously has uh, got off to a, an interesting start, shall we say? But again, well, that's, you're well, being polite there. Yeah, as I said, but uh, look, what is she actually arguing? Look, the implementation and the arguing for all of that people can people can talk about that, and obviously there were mistakes made there. But when you actually look at it, she's actually trying to reduce taxes. And she's starting to make noises about backtracking from this net zero nonsense, whereas Rishi Sunak would have, I think, was on the on the whole with building back better and levelling up and all of that nonsense. So I think there's something to be said for actually giving the membership a say in electing uh, the leader of the party. And you might actually get a leader who actually reflects uh, what the people in the party want, what the membership want, what uh, and might be more in line with those... Uh, statements uh we believe uh that that the party says it stands for but really around the country uh hasn't been able to find a leader to fight for them 
it, it, it mentioned on that subject uh in uh victoria even though matthew guy has taken to the party to the to the left and the reason he really can't stand up for andrew thorbone is because he kicked out uh bernie finn for yeah, exactly. his pro-life belief but the it's it's democratic branch the victorian liberal party and they've pre-selected uh, a lot of conservative candidates to, to Edith, run. Holland, yeah, um, the Moira uh, Deeming, Deeming yep. yeah, and the guy who think, I forget his name, who's standing against Andrews in his seat of Mulgrave, I think he's a rusted on conservative too. Um, I can't remember his name uh, yeah. either, yeah. Uh, but he was impressive yeah. on Rita Panahi's yeah. uh, program. Yeah. So, so internal yeah. uh, democracy, because uh, you need an energised base to like Get, get the message out. That's right. And that was the thing about the election, the federal election, that the the Liberals were struggling to find the, those volunteers, that base, that are happy to stand out on a Saturday morning uh, in the rain, in the cold and hand out how to vote cards. Well, they were struggling to find those um, because they, they the base felt the base felt abandoned. And I think what's happening in Victoria, as you've seen, is people are just yeah, trying to ignore um matthew guy and all that and fighting uh, shall we say hand-to-hand -hand combat um in individual seats and hoping that uh like you say internalized democracy um will win the day um and promoting the the conservative credentials of these of these candidates well it's been great to, to hear your insights tonight rocco um even though uh we've given the the, the liberals quite uh the the, the whack uh this this past hour i i, I will say that uh, i think the uh predictions of the liberal party's uh demise are premature because they have yes. had their their bad periods uh but uh they they do come back often with a vengeance well, like I said, I mean, yeah, it's quite like Mark Twain there. I mean, the, the reports of my demise are completely exaggerated. As I said, as I said earlier, hopefully, this is a winter for the Liberals that leads to pruning, to renewal, to reform, and to uh, retaking government. Um, they they spent uh, thirteen long years in opposition federally, and then came back, and we've had probably look like any government it made its mistakes but we had one of the best governments um, this country's ever had and Sir Robert Menzies was turfed out in in 41 and look he came back and became Australia's greatest prime minister so yeah it, we shouldn't uh, we, we've given them a, a kick up the backside but let's hope that uh, the kick up the backside uh, is worth it and they learn from it well certainly yeah, there needs to be some sort of opposition in your own state of uh, Western Australia. You've also written about uh, Mark McGowan's uh, new proposed emergency powers. Yes, uh, these uh, look, it's, it's a state of emergency that's ending, but the emergency, it's just been transferred to the police commissioner who can declare a COVID-19 emergency uh, more or less uh, when he sees fit. Um, and uh, yeah, the, 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 the appointment of uh, COVID officers uh, who can just simply enter into your home, uh, trespass and private property into people's cars, can do anything reasonably necessary to prevent the spread of the virus. I mean, it's 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 uh, this openly vague language which should, it just uh, sends shivers uh, down anyone's uh, spine. Um, and uh, I'll uh, I, I I just shuddered at the uh, I mean getting the sniffles now has become a criminal offence because you'll lose the right to self-incrimination. 
um, under the under these under this legislation. So look, it is just it is an addiction uh, to to power. And uh, as we know, Lord Acton said that uh, what power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And uh, that's what's happened in, in Western Australia. Precisely because there hasn't been an opposition uh, to argue the case that has just gone along with everything. Yeah, uh, that is sadly uh, the what has been the state of Australia uh, this 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 past two years. Uh, but uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Rocco, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll speak again uh, soon in the the not too distant uh, future. And uh, keep up with your your contributions uh, in both uh, written and uh, on the, the the airwaves because they're important. Thanks, Tim. It's been a pleasure to be with you, and uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. This is Will's Front, brought to you by theunshackled.net. And we're back live. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed uh, Rocco's uh, contribution. Uh, I was uh, following the discussion in the the, the live chat. Uh, there was certainly some strong opinions from all of you. Uh, there is a question over on Entropy uh, from some random bloke uh, for three Australian dollars. Uh, he super chatted on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, so thank you for another uh, th another super chat. Uh, he says, can we discuss mass immigration and changing dem demographics as one of the reasons centre-right parties in the West are losing? Well, that is the case in certain nations, but going to something uh, myself and Self and Rocco said off air, I was talking about the uh, changing uh, electoral demographics in Melbourne. The inner city white areas, they're the ones voting for the, the, the Teals in Kuyong and, and Goldstein. Uh, but uh, the southeast of Melbourne and the, the northwest of, of Melbourne, they're, they're slowly slowly voting more to the right and they've got uh, a lot of indian and asian migrants there who are socially conservative in their values and also they're entrepreneurial as as well uh for example uh going uh, going back to the the march for the babies uh in in melbourne on saturday the the pro abortion counter protesters are extremely white uh, I, I didn't see in the photos that I saw any uh, women of, of colour, uh, but it was very multicultural at the, 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 the pro-life uh, march, uh, well, the, 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 the main event, I should, I should call it, and uh, uh, the, the, the uh, prayer uh, was given by an Asian pastor and the, the new uh, Victorian director of the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, Jasmine Wan, obviously an Asian name. Uh, so yes, a, a migration is changing demographics in in Melbourne, but actually, to a conservative uh, free market bent, Lady of Shalott, yes, all the white delinquents turn out for every degenerate cause. And Pete Eisman says, the reality is Australia has been largely sheltered from the worst effects of mass migration. Yes, 
we have wage stagnation and racist affirmative action, but that won't galvanize voters. And Lady of Shalat says, that is heartening to hear. Many of the Indians I meet are pretty based. Uh, now, I will be uh, publishing uh, more content uh, from the, the the March for the Babies. So far, I've published uh, my interview with uh, Bernie Finn, uh, leader of the March for the Babies, and uh, well, now uh, Democratic Labour Party uh, MLC. And I uh, also uh, published my interview with uh, Lee Jones, a Family First candidate uh, for Southeast metro region i am going to, to publish more highlights from the, the the march itself uh in the coming days uh, uh tomorrow there will be no uh trad tasman talk in the normal time slot uh, we had the makeup show uh with with Due on tuesday evening thank you for those who tuned in for that but stephen is still having uh, internet difficulties so we'll be back to friday's next Friday, which will be the, the 21st of October. Uh, I don't know whether at that stage that'll be with uh, Dewey or Stephen. Uh, I hope that Stephen's internet is is fixed uh, by then, uh, but it'll certainly, uh, yes, he was, as I mentioned, he was one of the people that switched from Optus, uh, but uh, doesn't seem like a good idea in hindsight. Uh, there was a a suspected cyber attack on uh, one of the, the health insurers, Medibank Private, this morning, but they said no customer data was compromised. Well, at least that, uh, at least that we hope. So I'll be back next on Monday uh, with another uh, Tim's News uh, explosion, uh, where there'll be a lot to cover. Uh, 8:30 p.m. Melbourne time on the Wilmsfront channels. And uh, I'll let you know by then if there's another Wilms front this time next Thursday and definitely Trad Tasman talk back uh, next Friday as well. And also uh, make sure that you keep checking out the Unshackled YouTube channel uh, for uh, new reports from Tiger Mountain with Richard Wilsoncroft. Uh, thank you, Naughty Design, uh, again, uh, for all your feedback and all of your uh, support. Make sure you keep checking out the Unshackled net as we've got new articles published uh the newsletter will be coming out this saturday as well and uh also the unshackled.net has our uh productions archive as well so please everyone uh stay safe stay sane uh stay free stay healthy and if you're in victoria new south wales stay dry and don't drive through floodwaters i mean the the worst i think is going to be over in the next 24 hours, but there's still going to be a lot of water uh, around. So don't be one of those bloody idiots. <laughs> good night, everybody, and have a good weekend. Thanks for tuning in to Wilmsfront. Visit timwilms.com to view the archive of episodes. And keep visiting theunshackled.net to view all our shows. And to keep up with the latest real news and analysis. 